Disruption displaces and creates to radically shift the way we think, act and do things. Here is a call to constructive disruption for the advancement of God's kingdom. We must act and think differently to make a difference. We're going to hold our Bibles high up in the air. We're going to say this out loud, bold and strong together. Say, please say this with me. This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I'm saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I'm blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of his blessing to many people. I receive his word. I believe his word. And I live by his word. Christ is my master. And to him, I am in absolute surrender. In Jesus' name, amen. Please say hi to the person next to you. Give them your name. Give them a good smile. And uh, you may be seated. Two Sundays ago, uh, we shared a simple message with us that God wants to release his purposes through each of our lives. I hope you remember that two Sundays ago. And uh, I really want that truth to be settled in our hearts. That you and I are here to see the purposes of God released through us on the earth. This morning I just want to build up on that and uh, challenge us as people to make a difference in our worlds. And I'm speaking uh, specifically in view of 2017, a year that we're about to enter into uh, in a couple of weeks, and uh, a year that will be ahead of us. And I want to just sow a few things in our hearts this morning that will kind of get us thinking and preparing for 2017, the year that is coming ahead of us. And I want to challenge each one of us to live lives that will make a difference for the kingdom of God. Refuse just to be a person who comes in and drifts through life and disappears and no one knows you even came and went. Choose to be somebody who's going to make a difference for the kingdom of God. Now of course if you and I are going to be people who will make a difference, it means we've got to act differently. We've also got to think differently. So I want to challenge us to be those kinds of people. A people who will act differently and who will think differently. Now, I want to borrow something that some of us may be familiar with, especially in the world of business and technology. The contrasting ideas of innovation and disruption. I just want to use that and bring that into our world and, 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 and make use of it. Now, innovation, which again is important. Innovation really means you make something good better. And we all need I mean, organizations and of course us as individuals, we need to improve. We need to make what is good, we need to make it better. We need to innovate. As a church, we need to keep getting better. Improvement begins with I. So, it's got to start with us. Innovation is important. But there's another important concept that many of us might be familiar with and that's disruption. Disruption is slightly different from innovation. Maybe very different from innovation. Disruption, and I'm looking, using that word in a positive sense. I know sometimes the word disruption uh, has a lot of negative connotation, more, uh, maybe more so 
you know, something's disrupted our schedule, disrupted our time, disrupted our plan. So we use it very often in a negative sense. But really, there is a positive sense in where disruption is a good thing. And disruption, again, back in this understanding, in this context, really means to displace something and then to create something new that is far better than what it displaced. So while innovation is improving something, making something good better, disruption is displacing and creating. You with me so far? So think of some examples of uh, disruption. When you think about Wikipedia versus the encyclopedia. Some of us are familiar with those big encyclopedias we have at home or carried around. If you want to refer to something, you carry this big book and you return and you look for something, information there. But what did Wikipedia do? Disrupted the whole thing. So much so that many of our homes don't even have an encyclopedia. We don't need one. Wikipedia offers to us maybe, you know, uh, approximately 5 million articles, information for free. In contrast to uh, a typical encyclopedia that may just have 120,000 articles and you pay $1,000 to buy that. So here comes a disruptive product, service that just gets rid of something, but it creates something that's totally far greater, superior, and accessible to the whole world. Think about the mobile phones versus the fixed line, landline phones. There was a time when you ha- if your home had a landline, it was the best home in the area. Everybody came there to receive calls and make calls because it was so difficult to get a phone line connection. And then here comes mobile phones and disrupts everything. Now, you don't even bother. You don't even care to have a landline connection. You don't need it. And everybody has it. Almost everybody has a mobile phone. Totally disrupted that whole world of communication. I think about what word processes did to typewriters. Some of us have the experience of trying to learn how to use a typewriter. Some of us don't even have not even seen one. That's okay. But, you know, the typewriters, you try to learn how to, ty- you know, do it. It's hard. And along come word processors, whether you use Microsoft Word or anything else, it just totally displaced typewriters. You don't need it anymore. You don't see it, except in museums. You know, it's gone. Because now everybody can write documents easily. You can edit, you can do anything without, you know, the white ink and having to do all of that cumbersome things. So here comes word processing that displaces typewriting. So these are just examples here of disruption. Or something that displaces what is in existence to create something that's totally greater, superior, better, more accessible, maybe cheaper, maybe faster, superior. Disruption. Now, I want us to take this understanding into our own Christian life, into the life that we live. And I want to challenge you and me just to put this in our hearts that as, as you look ahead to 2017, I want, I want to challenge you and me to be disruptors in a good sense and for the advancement of the kingdom of God. Rather than just going on with the way things are, whether in your own life personally or in the way we are doing church, or in the way we are trying to reach our city, in the programs of the church, or in the, in, in the way you are trying to impact your sphere of influence, rather than just going on with the way things are, or just trying to make incremental improvements, which is okay, I want to challenge you and me to ask the Lord for ideas that will disrupt our world 
for the advancement of the kingdom of God. Are you with me so far? So tell your neighbor, you have permission to be a disruptor. To bring about disruption of what's going on around us. Clayton Christensen, was, uh, Harvard, who is a Harvard Business School professor and uh, one of the, uh, the early leaders who actually coined this term, disruption, uh, he says that disruption displaces an existing market, industry, or technology and produces something new and more efficient and worthwhile. And so I want you to think about what you can do for the sake of the advancement of the kingdom of God in our world today. In your sphere of influence. What can you disrupt? In a creative, constructive manner. I'm not talking about doing something that will cause confusion and discord. But I'm talking about doing something that's constructive, creative, or the advancement of the kingdom of God. I want to briefly just think about the Lord Jesus himself who came into this world 2,000 years ago. To think about his teaching. To think about the standards he called us to. To think about the invitation to life that he gave us. And to understand that really the things he taught and the things he called us to were very, very disruptive. They were not even innovative. They were, he didn't come to say, you know, I'll make your life a little better. He said, I've come to displace what you have going on in your world. And I want to replace it with something far superior if you're willing to accommodate this disruption. Think about his teaching. And I'm just, just picking up a sampling of it. Not necessarily, uh, obviously not everything. But think about some of the things he said. In Matthew 5, he said, verses 38 to 45, and I'm just going to go through this very quickly, not necessarily have us turn to these passages. Look at what he said. He said, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. So this is conventional thinking. Be fair, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But here's what I'm teaching you. He says, but I'm telling you, do not resist an evil person. If somebody slaps you in your right cheek, turn the other to him. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, your coat, let him have your cloak also. Whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you, and from whom him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. Totally disrupting our way of thinking and saying, here's something far superior that will displace what you have been taught. And I want you to live at this level. Or he says in verse 43, you've heard it said, you love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I'm telling you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. So totally changing your way of thinking. Or when he had to say something about leadership, this is what he said in Matthew 20, verses 25 to 28. He said, you look at the Gentiles, the rulers, the leaders of the Gentiles. They lord it over them. They exercise dominion, control over their people. Verse 26, but this is not the way it's going to be with you. If you desire to be great, you become a servant. If you desire to be first, you'll choose to be last. Just as I, the son of man, I came not to be served, but to serve and to give my life away. So he's saying, look, here's disruptive thinking concerning leadership. If you want to be a leader, choose to be a servant. Totally displacing our understanding of what it means to lead people. And he set an example for us, you know, as he met with his disciples, he, he got on, on his knees and he began to wipe each one's feet, wash their feet and wipe them with a towel. And then he said this in John 13, 14 to 15, he said, if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, then you ought to wash another, one another's feet because I've given you an example 
that you should do as I've done to you. Meaning, follow my example. Do what I've done. He came to disrupt our standards. So we thought we had certain standards of morality and what's right and wrong. But notice what Jesus said in Matthew 5, 21. He said, you heard it said you will not murder because whoever murders is in danger of judgment. If you murder, you're going to face consequences. But here's what I'm saying. Verse 22. If anyone is angry with his brother without a cause, he is in danger of judgment. It's a different standard altogether. Or he put it like this in Matthew 5 verse 27. He said, you heard it said you will not commit adultery. Verse 28. But I say to you, whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Totally different standard. He's saying the scheming, the thinking, the planning of doing evil in the eyes of God is the same as committing the act. And I'm calling you to that higher standard of of morality. And then he continues. He says, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Because it's more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Higher standards of morality. Not just the act, but even the scheming, the planning, the intending to do the act in the eyes of God is going to be held. We're going to be held responsible for it. Or in our understanding of God. Many of us have a very wrong understanding of God. We think God's this very... uh, uh, is sitting like a law enforcer, an angry God, waiting to judge us, condemn us. And here Jesus comes in and says, You know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. So he's saying, I want you to understand that God is a God of love, not this angry God waiting to punish you. But he's a God of love waiting not to condemn you, but to embrace you, to bring you in uh, to a relationship with him. And just another Sampling here about how we live life. In Matthew 4, as he meets Peter and John, Matthew 4, 18 to 20, Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee, he calls them and he says, follow me, I will make you fishers of men. So here they were doing their regular thing of fishing and Jesus steps in and says, I want you to fish, I want you to do something, but there's going to be a higher purpose attached to it. I want you to fish men, I want you to do something greater. And I believe God, the Lord Jesus, steps into your world and mine today. Not necessarily to take us out of our vocation or take us out of our occupation. But he steps in and says, look, I want to bring in a higher purpose into what you're doing. Whether it's fishing or writing code or running a business or whatever. I want to show you how it's get, it, it can impact people more than just making money. A shift. A disruption of your current purpose lifting you and me to a higher purpose. And think about the invitation he gave to people who would choose to follow him. He said in Matthew 10, and these, these are very, very shocking verses. In Matthew 10, 34 to 39, he said, Don't think I've come to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I've come to set a man against his father, a daughter against a mother, a daughter-in-law against a mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Think about what Jesus is saying. He's saying, look, I haven't come to make life cozy and easy for you. He says, if you want to follow me, you have to set your affections on me to the point you're willing to put all other earthly affections Second, 
If you love others more than me, say, sorry, you can't follow me. And if you choose to follow me, I also want to warn you, people in your own house may, may turn and become your enemies. And then he says, if you want to follow me, you've got to be prepared to lose your life. Now, this definitely is not the kind of marketing you and I would want to do to promote followers. I mean, this definitely would be the one that would send all our followers away. <laughs> but that's exactly what he's saying. He's saying, look, this is it. You want to follow me? You've got to love me more than any other earthly relationship. You want to follow me? Be prepared because sometimes your own household may become your enemies. If you want to follow me, be prepared. You've got to be prepared to lose your life. But here's the thing. If you're willing to do this, I'm guaranteeing you, you will find life the way it's really supposed to be. And you cannot find it until you make this journey. That's the invitation. You can take it or leave it. So he comes in to disrupt our way of life. Suddenly, our affections change. That our love for him super begins to supersede all our earthly affections. And I'm not saying we disconnect. And that's not what he called us to do. But our love for him must be number one. Greater than our strongest earthly relationships. We must love him to the point where he says, even if people of your own household turn against you, you're prepared for it. And even if you're going to lose your life for his sake, you're prepared for it. But if you make that kind of a journey, he's saying, you're going to find it. You're going to find your purpose, your meaning, life the way you're supposed to be living it. Are you with me so far? So his whole teaching, his whole message, the standards he called us to, the kind of life he calls us to, is very disruptive for some, some, some of us who may want, you know, Lord Jesus, give me a nice and cozy life, you know, where I'll be happy, I can just sail through life. Sorry, he's come to disrupt our worlds. Displace what is there to give us something that's far superior, far greater for you and me to enjoy and experience. But think about the impact that Jesus has had on the world. Somebody who came with such disruptive teaching, such a disruptive invitation, such a disruptive standard, may soon well be left aside and forgotten. But that's not what happened to Jesus. In fact, he never did anything personally to leave a mark on human history. In that he never started an organization, he never built a building, he never wrote a book, he never you know, did any of those things that would intentionally make sure he left something behind. In fact, after all his three and a half years of ministry, as he was about to ascend back into heaven, there were only 120 people who still remained 40 days later. And yet, today, 2,000 years after that, the whole world revolves around this person, Jesus Christ. The whole world. Which means that somehow the message he brought the standards he called us to has found a place, an unshakable place in our lives. So here's the point I want to make. That the Lord Jesus wants us to disrupt our worlds. That he never intended for you and me just to be these nice kind of people who the world says, you know, just leave them alone and they'll be happy. And we tell the world, leave us alone, we'll be happy. No, he's called us to disrupt our world in a good sense. He said, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. But if you don't shine, it's no use. If you lose your flavor, it's no use. But you are salt, you are light. 
So I want to challenge you as you look ahead for 2017, rather than just trying to make slight improvements of the way we are doing things, why not you and I just pray to the Lord and say, God, give us some things that will disrupt our worlds. In your sphere of influence, as a church, let's disrupt things in our city. Let's even disrupt the way church is supposed to be done, rather than just keep doing it the same way. How about in our life groups? Can we be disruptive in the way life groups is being done? Can we come up with something that changes every, the, the way we're doing things, but for, to lift us up to something higher, superior, to give us greater impact and greater influence around us? How about in the workplace? It's quite possible that maybe the atmosphere in your workplace is not very healthy. There could be a lot of hostility, a lot of tension, but... Can you do something to disrupt that, displace that, and bring in what is good and positive? To disrupt and displace darkness and bring in light. To displace hatred, to bring in love. To displace sorrow, to bring in joy. To displace confusion and bring in peace. Can you do something in your workplace? Or maybe there's some other area in our city that, that, that has your attention, and you've been thinking, God, what can I do? And maybe instead of thinking of God, what I can do to make an incremental improvement in that area, you and I maybe should be praying, saying, God, what can I do to disrupt what's happening there, displace the work of darkness, and bring in something greater and superior? I want to challenge you and me to start thinking that way. Are you with me so far? Yes, hopefully. In your sphere of influence, how can you be a disruptor in a positive way for the kingdom of God? So when you act differently and think differently, you will make a difference. But then keep in mind that it may not always be easy. For the apostles, as they began to disrupt their worlds, they followed in the footsteps of their master, the Lord Jesus. And they began to disrupt their worlds. The Bible tells us here in Acts 17 and verse 6 that here's how they were identified. These who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And that's a bunch of disruptors. That's a people who are shaking the way things are normal, normally going, replacing it with something that's totally different. These men who've turned our world upside down have come here also. I wish our city would say that about us. We've been here for so long. Sometimes they don't even know we exist. Oh yeah, those Christians, they go to service on Sundays. Sometimes we're better known for our clubs and uh, New Year's Eve partying than anything else. (laughs) These men who've turned our world upside down have come here also. Can we do something in our city to turn our city upside down? Or maybe even a small section of our city upside down. Can we do something? I believe each one of us, if we can pray and say, Jesus, you've sent me to be salt. You've sent me to be light. What can I do? To turn my world upside down. Give me an idea. Give me a thought. Give me a strategy. Show me what I can do. I believe he'll do that. He'll speak to us. He'll lead us into it. But to think and act differently involves risks. It's stepping out of what we're comfortable with. But here again, that's exactly what the apostles did. And I close with this in Acts 15 verse 26. It says about the apostles, these men who risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Why did they turn the world upside down? They didn't do it by sitting in comfortable places. They did it by taking risks. 
These men have risked their lives for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the challenge I feel to place before even me is this. You know, let's disrupt things around us in a positive sense for the advancement of the kingdom of God. Let's turn things upside down. Let's take risks for the advancement of the kingdom of God for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you, each one of us, to pray and say, God, show me what I can do. It's good if you're considering to improve what we're doing, but it might be a whole lot better to pray and say, God, show me what I can do to turn things upside down, to disrupt what's around me, to displace something that's around me in order to create what is far superior and that will bless the lives of people and see many brought in to the kingdom of God. I hope in 2017, each one of us will disrupt something around us for the sake of God's kingdom. Amen? Disruption, you start one. Let's stand to our feet, please. I'm going to pray. Some of us have ideas that we've been carrying inside of us for a while. Some of us have talents and skills, and, and maybe we've been playing it safe. Because we've been playing it safe, the ideas have really not come out. The skills and talents that we've had have really not been exploited or released into their full potential because we're playing it safe. But in the last two weeks of this year, I really want to challenge you and me to pray before the Lord and go before God and say, God, I have these talents, I have these skills, I have these ideas, but what do you want me to do with what you've put in my life so that I could release it and cause a disruption, cause something to happen for the sake of God's kingdom? Give me the courage to take the risk or the risks that I need to take. Would you pray like that? Let's take a few moments, please, just to pray and say, God, you've, you've, put, you've given things in me, ideas. Show me how, what you want me to do with it. Show me how to take risks. Even if it means it's going to disrupt things around me or in my sphere of influence, give me the courage to do it. Because I want to see the advancement of God's kingdom like never before. I want to see God glorified in a much greater way. Father, even as we stand here this morning in your presence, I pray that the Holy Spirit will move upon every heart and upon every life of God. God, those ideas that have been incubating inside of us, those skills, those those abilities that have been lying resident, dormant inside of us. Oh God, that you will stir these things up. And Father, I pray that you will infuse our hearts with courage. Infuse us with passion, Lord. And give us faith enough to take risks. To be disruptors in our world. To be disruptors in our sphere of influence. To displace and to create. And to see the advancement of your kingdom, Father. Move upon us here this morning. I want you to take a few moments, please. Between you and the Lord, would you pray? 
let this Sunday morning not just be another sermon you heard and that you go back home saying okay I heard something but would you take a few moments to really intentionally seriously pray and say Lord what can I do to turn my world upside down what can I do to disrupt but for the sake of your kingdom show me speak to me these next few moments let the Lord speak to us
Father, we just pray that things that you desire to be released in our world, in our city, for your glory, for the advancement of your kingdom, God. That you will speak such things into each of our hearts. And you'll give us the grace and the courage to step out and do it, God, for your kingdom. Knowing, God, that when we live such a life, it's a life that is truly well lived. A life to the full. A life that honors you and pleases you. Continue to speak to each one of us preparing us for the year ahead God getting us ready for what you want to release in our city turn our city upside down turn every sphere of society in our city God upside down we thank you Father thank you before we close this morning I want to just take a moment to Give us an invitation if there's anybody with us. And you personally never made a commitment to follow Jesus Christ. This morning you've heard a sampling, just a little bit about what Jesus taught. And it's not simple. It's not an invitation to a nice and easy life. And yet, he says, are you willing to follow me? You say, why should I follow Jesus? Because the Bible tells us that he died for us on the cross where he carried our sins. He paid the price for our sins. He was buried and he rose up again. And he's the one who forgives our sins and he brings us into that relationship with God and brings God's meaning, God's purpose into each of our lives. But that kind of a life is is very different. It's not an ordinary life. But I want to just give an invitation here this morning. If there's somebody here, or even if there's one person here this morning, and you feel like, yes, I want to follow Jesus. I'm willing, I'm prepared to take up his challenges, to respond to his invitation. And I want to have my sins forgiven. And I want to live the kind of life he's called me to live. I want to lead you in a simple prayer this morning for you to make that decision, to express your decision. If you feel led to pray this prayer with me, if you feel an inclination to pray this prayer with me, then please do this. Just say this with me, Lord Jesus. I believe you died for my sins, that you rose up again, that you can change my life. Forgive my sins. Make me a new person and help me follow you the rest of my life. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's get ready to close. I'll just pronounce the benediction. Let's receive the benediction. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father, and the sweet fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with each of us always. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Go disrupt your worlds. See you again. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org 
Also visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.